Hello again, everybody. Great to have you along. My name is Scott Murray, and we welcome you to yet another edition of Leadership America, creating champions of change through a culture of civility. And how do you do that? Well, through courage, commitment, character, compassion, and not confrontation, but conversation, and something we all need to be a part of every single day here in this crazy world we're all a part of right now. Through the pandemic, and here in the great state of Texas, the storm, the weather storm, the, the, the record-breaking frigid storm that we all endured back in February, and, and now here uh, we move forward with, uh, with yet another uh, rock star of sorts. Hello, my <laughs> friend. How are you? It's good to be with you, Scott. <laughs> we welcome uh, a gentleman that I call the uh, American leader. He certainly is. A retired U.S. Army lieutenant colonel, also the third of four generations of military servicemen in his family. Pretty impressive. like to hear that. And during his 22-year career in the United States Army, Lieutenant Colonel West served in a, well, a, a number of combat zones and received many honors, including uh, the Bronze Star, three Meritorious Service Medals, three Army Commendation Medals, and, uh, I mean, the list goes on and on. From here to Lubbock, my friends, right? <laughs> <laughs> or maybe almost that far. Yeah. And then uh, in 1993, he was named the U.S. Army ROTC Instructor of the Year. Good stuff, working with our younger people. Now, following his military service, he served in Florida's 22nd, <clears throat> excuse me, 22nd Congressional District in the United States House of Representatives from 2011 to 2013, and has served as chairman of the Republican Party of Texas since uh, 2020, since last year. Now, as you well know, this isn't a political show, but this this gives you an idea of some of the things that he's been involved in to try and make our country a better place for us all. Uh, he's presently the president and CEO of the Hope Center, considered by many to become the Hope Center's biggest champion. And a lot of people say he is the guy. This is a nonprofit that provides significantly reduced rates on Office space, free event, and uh, meeting spaces, right? Is yes, that, for uh, that right for Christian ministries, yeah, on-site yeah. IT services, and so much more to its sixty-plus Christian nonprofit tenant communities. Yeah, that's unbelievable. It's Tell incredible. us about that. Well, you know, the the Hope Center uh, was founded by uh, Miss June Hunt. You know, mm -hmm. everyone knows that right. name here in the in the uh, Dallas area, and it's going on its twelfth year. And it is an incredible, unique, one-of-a-kind uh, facility where you bring together 61 different Christian ministries under one roof, and they work in a collaborative way, and they also are sharing the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ all across the world. I mean, we have ministries that are reaching out in every aspect of the globe, but then we also have ministries that focus on Christian counseling, uh, women's ministries, and then we also have uh, you know societal cultural ministries like My Faith Votes, and then also First Liberty, which is the number one uh, legal organization, law organization, that works on cases of religious liberty and religious freedom. So uh, we're located up in Plano, Texas, and we would love to have people come by and visit us and maybe even have an event there at the Hope Center. That's fantastic. Let me ask you this, Alan. You, you came on, how many years ago did you say? Uh, I have been on the board of the Hope Center for going on five years. Okay, it's five years. Yeah, and I came in as the president CEO last year in June, June 2020. What was it that you said, you know what, this is something I need to be a part of? There's so many times that, mm -hmm. again, people like you that are out in, in, in our community and everybody knows of and, and is very impressed with all the things that you continue to do and be a part of. And yet I just wondered for you what it was that you said, you know what, this is something 
that's got to be a part of my life. Well, I was introduced uh, to the president's CEO at the time, Stan Keith, uh, when I spoke at the Dallas uh, prayer breakfast. And he came up afterwards and he you know, talked to me and he said, I really would like for you to come see our uh, facility, the Hope Center. And so I said, sure. I mean, because he told me about it. And I, think, I said, this is incredible. And when you go up there and you walk into this building, it, it's, it's kind of like a, a Colorado mountain home. That's the motif mm-hmm. of, the, of the place. It's beautifully done. But it's just a sense of peace and calm that comes over you when you walk around and you talk to some of the ministries and the ministry leaders that are there and you see what they're doing and how they're touching lives and bringing them toward you know Jesus Christ, which is I think is so important that we really do build up our, our faith and we really do build up our spiritual strength and we look at how we can grow spiritually. And that's what is happening there at the Hope Center. And when you look at the plethora of avenues that they take to touch people's lives. Who would not want to be a part of that? Mm-hmm. The highlight for you in in those five years since you jumped on board, one thing come to mind, I'm sure there are several you could share yeah. with us, but is there one thing that you say, you know what, I made the right decision, we continue to move forward, and this is fantastic? Well, I think the when we decided there was a space that was there that we wanted to bring in a kind of uh, a collaborative space for smaller ministries, and we call it the Hope Hub, and uh, seeing that transformation and seeing that come to fruition was just a great thing because, you know, there are some really big ministries that are up there, Joni and Friends, East West. E3, Hope for the Heart, which is uh, June Hunt's ministry. But when you have these little small ministries like the Union Gospel Mission of Dallas, Texas, and they just have two or three people that are there, but you think about the impact that they have on the homeless here in Dallas, uh, Texas. And and that's a big issue. And so when you can come in every day and just see those two or three people and know the impact that they're having on thousands of other people— That's just a beautiful thing. And it all started with an idea of let's take this storage space that is here and let's see how we can expand it and we can reach out to some of these smaller ministries. How about somebody that's watching right now, Alan, and says, ooh, sounds kind of cool. I'd like to be a part of that. How do they do that? Sure. You uh, just Google and uh, look up the Hope Center, and you can come by and take a tour. We're right there in, on, in, uh, in Plano, right at uh, President George Bush before you hit Central Expressway uh, mm-hmm. 75, mm-hmm. and you can't miss it. I mean, it's a, a huge, beautiful facility, over 185,000 square feet. And again, we'd love to have you there. We've got our own little cafe, so we would love for you to sit down and have lunch with us and just take a tour and look at all the, uh, the great facilities that we have there. Let's go back in time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I said that your family, my gosh, how many generations have <laughs> been yeah. involved with the military? That is most impressive. So yeah. let me start by saying thank you for your oh, service and pleasure. thank you to your entire family, generation after generation, for all of their service. That's above and beyond. Good for you. Well, that's kind of our family business, uh, if you want to put it that way. My dad. You know, my dad's my hero. I mean, people always ask, well, who's your hero? My dad. I mean, you think about a a man that was born in 1920 in South Alabama Mm -hmm. and jumped the Chattahoochee River, grew up in, in Georgia. But when his nation called for him to serve, even though his nation did not see him as being equal to others, 
He raised his right hand. He took that oath of service. And so my dad was a corporal in the United States Army in World War II. And I used to love to hear the stories. I mean, he started out in North Africa. He did, you know, jumped over and in, uh, into Sicily and then, of course, into Italy. And he was wounded in Italy running uh, logistical dispatches. Uh, but at the age of 15, my dad sat me down and he said, there's no greater honor than wearing a uniform of the United States of America. And because he was a corporal and my older brother was the last corporal in the Marines. Everyone has a black, black sheep in the family. So the <laughs> older brother decided he wanted to be a Marine. But again, he was an infantryman that fought in Vietnam, wounded at Quezon. And so my dad wanted me to be the first officer in the family. And that was the charge that he gave to me at the age of 15. Uh, and I started in high school, junior ROTC at Grady High School in Atlanta. And then I went on to the University of Tennessee and Scott, I will tell you, I will never forget the day, 31 July, 1982. Uh, my dad's at my right shoulder. My mom's at my left shoulder. My mom did over 25 years civilian service with the Marine headquarters in Atlanta. Really? Yeah. So, I mean, we were just all, I mean, the military was there. Right. And they pinned on my second lieutenant bars. And it was a very special day. And, and that was, you know, I'd never seen my dad cry. But when he was pinning on the bars, I looked over and I saw tears in his eyes. And that was just something special, you know, for me. And now our service continues on. My nephew, my older brother's son, uh, last year, December of 2020, he got promoted to lieutenant colonel in the United States Army. He has done three combat tours as well. And uh, it was so funny because, uh, you know, after his promotion, he said, you know that you're a lieutenant colonel West ancient now. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Well, I can understand everything you just shared with us because I think, as you well know, I went to Normandy mm -hmm. on the 70th anniversary of D-Day with my son and, <clears throat> excuse me, put together a a documentary, which uh, we both ended up winning an Emmy, which was the highlight of my professional career, to go to Normandy and win an Emmy yeah. with my son, talking about all these incredible World War II vets. There were about two two dozen of them that were on a bus with us for mm -hmm. two two weeks. And then as a result of that, we were asked to go to uh, Pearl Harbor on the 75th anniversary. Mm -hmm. So to do those things with my son was the highlight of my professional career. Yeah. And so I totally can understand exactly where you're coming from. And see, and you got something on me. I have never been to Normandy. No kidding. Yeah, I got to get there. Well, let me tell you something, Alan. Bucket list yeah. personified. Yeah. Just uh, unbelievable. Unbelievable. And go to, to Bastogne, the Battle oh, of the Bulge. Oh, sure. And, Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's just, oh, it's a, and talk about a foreign country that respects and idolizes the United States of America, more so than many citizens that were born and raised in the good old U.S. of A., mm -hmm. they don't have the respect for this country that they should. You go to Normandy, you see American flags. Yeah. You you see people that just are ready to salute you if they find out that you came from the United States. Yeah. It's unbelievable. This is in northern France. Well, that's why history is so important. Uh, because as George Santayana said back uh, in the late 1920s, those who fail to learn from history are doomed to repeat it. Mm -hmm. And you, you you continue to tell those stories over there in Normandy. I'm sure the grandparents and the, the, the great-grandparents are telling their kids about, you know, this what what it was like to live under tyranny. And these people came here and they gave their lives so that we could be free, so that you can now be free. And, and so those are, that's why it's so important we tell those stories. And that's why, you know, I really honor my dad because he sat down and told me those stories about, you know, serving this country. And, 
You know, he never complained. Uh, my mom, same way. They always talked about the greatness of this country and the opportunities that this country affords. And so you think about it, Scott. You're sitting here talking to a guy that on February the 7th of 1961 was born in a blacks-only hospital in Atlanta, Georgia. Mm-hmm. But yet somehow out of that inner-city neighborhood, same neighborhood Dr. Marlis the King Jr. was born and raised in, you get to rise up to become a lieutenant colonel in the Army. You get to become a member of the United States House of Representatives. You know, the touching thing about Rush Limbaugh passing away, Rush Limbaugh was my constituent. I remember sitting down and having dinner with Rush Limbaugh, a kid born in a blacks-only hospital, inner city of Atlanta, Georgia, is having dinner with Rush Limbaugh, sitting down with a guy who went on to become the president of the United States of America in his residence at Mar-a-Lago because it was in your congressional district. See, those type of things only happen in a place like America. And, and, and I just get so hurtful when we don't hear those positive stories being told, those stories like you're telling here about leadership and, and about what sets this country apart from any other country. Because there's not a lot of places where someone can be born in a segregated hospital, in an inner city being brought up, and then gets to sit here with you, a person that's won an Emmy. That's the greatness of America, and that's what leaders need to be talking about. Again, I said at the beginning of the show, this isn't a political show, but I still wonder, where have we gone? <laughs> it's, you, you talk about what took place back in, when you were born, and I, I just uh, I, I say to myself, wait a minute, why do we have, we can't have conversations. Mm-hmm. We, 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 it's all confrontation, and it's mm-hmm. so frustrating, it's so disappointing. This is why your podcast and your show and your endeavors are so important, because we have got to almost reteach a country what leadership really is. Uh, And the Army taught me that there are five C's, letter C, to leadership. It's courage, it's competence, it's commitment, it's conviction, and it's character. Because character means doing what is right when no one's watching. And you have to have the courage to stand for something. My mom raised me and said that a man must stand for something or else he'll fall for anything. Leaders have to be competent. You have to you know, understand and be able to sift through the white noise of the issues and really talk directly to people. One of the things that I think is, is so important, a difference between being a leader and a politician, is that a leader is going to tell you what you need to hear. And and they're willing to suffer the consequences of you not liking it, but they got to tell you what you need to hear. So so often we have delved into this realm of people wanting to, you know, have their ears tickled. That's mm-hmm. one of the things that it says in Second <laughs> Timothy uh, chapter four, and and that's you know poll testing and all of this. What 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 do I tell them in order to for them to like me or order for them to vote for me? That's not real leadership. You know, there are many times you know as a commander that I know. I did some things that upset, you know, the troops. But in the long run, they understood why is he having us out here road march when we've got vehicles? Or why are we out here when it's raining? Or why are we out here when it's cold? Because guess what? You don't get to pick and choose the conditions of the battlefield. But that's one of the things that we have to start having these conversations about. And coming back to the Hope Center, you know, I think one of the greatest role models of leadership is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because leadership is about being a servant first. And that's what he said in Mark, where he said, the Son of Man came to serve and not to be served. 
And so if we're going to turn these things around and have these conversations, we've got to get people to understand that stop looking for people that are just going to tell you what they think you want to hear. They've got to tell you what you need to hear. And they've got to encourage you and embolden you. They've got to talk about principles and values that, you know, we live by, the truths that we live by. And they have to be convicted to stand upon those, even though the winds of the culture may say something different. Thomas Jefferson had a great quote. He said, in matters of style, swim with the current, but in matters of substance, stand like a rock. And I think so many people are looking for those individuals that will stand like a rock. We get to what's going on in our world today. I heard a, a, a statistic just recently uh, said students in America being kept out of schools during the pandemic are now 10 times more likely to, be, to die from suicide than they are from the coronavirus itself. Coronavirus. I, I, that just blew me away. Well, it's, it's sad. You know, my pastor here in Dallas, he just buried a 16-year-old young man who shot himself. You know, and again, it comes back to to having that faith that believes that you can go through anything. You know, it says in John sixteen thirty three that yeah, you're going to have tough times, you're going to have mm-hmm. trials and tribulations in the world, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. That's where you need that faith. That's why a place like the Hope Center is so important. One of my favorite verses out of the Bible is Romans chapter five, verse three through five, where it says, you know, trials and tribulation produces perseverance. And perseverance produces character, and character produces true hope, hope that is not rooted in man, but hope that is rooted in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so I think about, you know, in the military, when you go through basic training, it ain't supposed to be easy because it's supposed to toughen you. It's supposed to get you prepared and ready. I mean, you're supposed to go through some some trials and tribulations, but the end result is what you're looking at. It's just the same as a diamond. A diamond starts off as a black rock. But through heat and through pressure, it becomes that precious thing. And so we have got to start training up, especially our young people, when mm-hmm. they start to believe that there is no other recourse than to take their lives. See, that's where that gap is out there in our society. And, you know, I look at, you know, I have this hashtag 22 kill ring, and I, you, you know about this because mm-hmm. on average a day, 20 to 22 of our veterans are committing suicide. Now, here, or warriors that went through tough times, tri- tri- basic training, combat, and everything. And then they get to a point where they say, life is not worth living. You know, something is wrong in our culture. And so I believe that that's why having a place like the Hope Center is so important because it gets people to understand the spiritual aspect of our lives. You can't continue to turn to the culture and, you know, take this, this, these pills or go to this spa or, or this type of thing mm-hmm. when you have a gap in your heart. You have so much wisdom, and I just, uh, I was going to ask you also before we closed what you would like your personal legacy to be, because anybody that knows Colonel Allen West and says to themselves, oh gosh, yeah, I know him. He's incredible. He's incredible. Mm-hmm. And just about everybody I knew before I met you, said, Scott, do you know uh, Colonel West? And, you know, with all the military things that both my son and I are involved with, whether it's emceeing the military ball or or, or going to Normandy or whatever it is, we've been involved with with the military in a lot of aspects. And and your name always comes up in a very positive, productive way, which speaks to your reputation. So good for you. So how about you? What what would you like your legacy? You talked about your family and all the generations. You talked about your dad as your role model, as your hero. 
How about how about you? What, what's the message mm-hmm. that you want to make sure that people share with future generations yeah. about who Alan West was? Well, I will take you back to 480 BC and the Battle of Thermopylae, uh, when the Spartans stood in that little small narrow gap against the invading Persian horde of Xerxes. And on that final day, day three, when uh, the Spartan uh, king Leonidas knew that the uh, the Persians were coming around to encircle him because uh, someone, a traitor, had let them know about a mountain pass, he chose one Spartan warrior, and he asked him to take a message back to Sparta. And the words are, go tell the Spartans and strangers passing by, that here, obedient to their laws, we lie. Those were the laws that there would be no surrender, there would be no retreat, that they would stand and they would fight. And that was a rallying cry. So I would just pray and hope that, you know, sometime later on, in, you know, after I pass, that people will remember that when they walk past my final resting spot, they know that here was a person that every single day of his life, it was about service, sacrifice, and commitment to God, country, and the great state of Texas. We talked moments ago about our youth and, and the suicides and how, how sad that is just mm-hmm. because of a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, how about you? What, what, what are the words of wisdom that, that you might close and, and be the takeaway for all of our viewers here today? The measure of a man is not how many times you get knocked down. It's how many times you get back up. Those were the sage words of my mother and father. And they let me know that you can overcome anything but you just have to have the drive, the determination, and a spirit of victory, not a victim. Get back up. Don't give up. Absolutely. Very good. Colonel Allen West, I can't thank you enough. Uh, you're uh, 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 just a, a role model to us all, but uh, more importantly to me, you're a dear friend. Thank you, And I can't, I can't thank you for all that you've done for, for our great country and all that you continue to do for uh, the Hope Center and those that— out there that need a helping hand for wherever they might have come and wherever they might be. That's right. But uh, it's, it's as I uh, have closed a, another radio show that I did for years, live your life as a go-getter, but share your life as a go-giver. And that's what you continue to do. So thank you, thank you, thank you. God bless, Scott. Thank you very much. Yes, sir. Well, that's it for this edition of uh, Leadership America. Till next time, stay safe, be strong, be smart. And as we just said, live your life as a go-getter, but share your life as a go-giver. I'm Scott Murray. Be safe. <laughs>